Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Welcome to Sports Day on this Tuesday night. Mark Reddings alongside Will Scofield. Great to have your company. Plenty of time for your calls, by the way. One double three eight eighty two. We're going to catch up with Peter Bell from the Fremantle Dockers very shortly to talk about everything happening at the Dockers. Uh, Jack Redden from the West Coast Eagles. Well, a former West Coast Eagles, given that he has retired, but to tell us what his future plans are with his uh, life in footy and outside of the game and some great memories that he has had over the journey. And uh, after 7 o'clock, we'll also catch up with Trent Cooper from the Fremantle Dockers, Barat Sandoracin, with some big cricket coming our way, including a T20 on Sunday at Optus Stadium. Uh, 133-882, as I say, good evening to Will Schofield. G'day, Skeet. How are you, mate? Um, good to be with you on this Tuesday. A little bit more going on in trade period uh, at the moment, which has been good to see. Uh, the, the walls are falling in at the Essendon Football Club, I believe. Um, not sure quite what's going on there. Not, I believe they are. Yeah. They have. Oh, it's been uh, it's been an interesting day for that footy club. They've just, of course, appointed a head coach um, and then seemingly a CEO that uh, looks like a great appointment, maybe off the top, and then a day later he resigns. Absolutely, quite extraordinary circumstances. So as it stands, Andrew Thorburn, after one day in the role has resigned. He's the former boss of NAB and Bank of New Zealand, took over the position, what, 24 hours ago. And then, of course, it was revealed he was the chair of the City on a Hill, which is a faith movement which has very strong stance and uh, uh, has a, a very pointed view on abortion and homosexuality. So off the back of that, David Barham, to cut the long story short, as the president gave Thorburn the choice to either stay with the bombers or keep involvement with his church. He, of course, chose the uh, the church option, and uh, hence he's no longer at the football club. So a bit of embarrassment for the Bombers. They've had a pretty tough time of it, to be honest with you, in the last uh, three or four months, given what's happening off the field. So Brad Scott, the new coach, has got some, some work to do. But will it affect the, the playing group? Will it affect the football department? Uh, will, you'd know better than I. Yeah, correct. We're going to speak to Dan Cherney in the second hour of the show, who's got feet on the ground here in this situation, because sometimes it's hard to tell from over here in Perth what is actually going on. But um, I'm, I'm not sure how much it will affect the footy club and the... And the uh, I should say the footy department, um, a CEO that's there for one day, does he have a lot of impact on the club? Maybe not. Um, I guess a positive out of it, uh, of it all, it has been a decision that has been made instantly. So it hasn't dragged on for a long period of time. Um, Essendon, as you said, have given the choice, the church or the club, and the church has been chosen, and the club moves on. Um, I do say this a fair bit in footy world. Um, Clubs do move on pretty quickly, whether it be from players or injured players or losses on the weekend or certainly, you know, coaching appointments or in this case, CEO appointments, they'll move on quickly and so will the news cycle. But right at this moment, uh, the Essendon Football Club haven't won a, a final since 2004. I think uh, they've got a, a new coach who 
Coach North Melbourne in Brad Scott didn't ever coach them to a top four finish. He comes in. I don't know if they've got the list to challenge for finals next year, and, and the CEO's out the door. So uh, they're lost as a footy club right now. Yes, that is certainly the case. Uh, Essendon with a CEO uh, who's gone after 24 hours, and they'll have to appoint someone else to replace him. That is part of our news headlines, thanks to Polaris. Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. Just during trade week, not that you were specifically involved to my knowledge, uh, but the... the the anxiety or the the stress that is involved in this period for players that are either trying to get somewhere or or not sure where they're going to be in three or four weeks from now. How much toll does that take on players? Yeah, there's some there's numerous ways to look at it. There's of course the players that are directly involved. So whether or not they went and asked the club for a trade. I actually spoke to Jack Redden, who we will be speaking later to on this show. I spoke to him last night about uh, when he was traded from Brisbane to West Coast. Uh, his manager advised him maybe it's a good idea to go, get on the front foot and go and speak to Brisbane. He sat down with then, at the time, coach Justin Lebich. Didn't really give him a heads up and basically in the first few sentences of a coffee said, I'm looking for a trade. Well, he was basically ripped from pillar to post by Justin Lepage at the cafe, who then followed up with a six-pack of beers later that night to apologise and, and plead the value to the club. So you've got clubs... Um, who value players. You've got maybe some blindsiding going on in stages. Jason Horn francis I believe, would have been a pretty big blindside for the North Melbourne Football Club. And then you have the players directly involved in the trades. Um, a junior Rioli, perhaps, from West Coast to Port, given there's a fair bit in and out with Port Adelaide. Now, Jason Horn francis rumoured, are, are they going to get the deal done? Have you gone to your club and said, I want to leave, I want to go home, I want to go to another club, and then the deal doesn't get done, a.k.a. Uh, Rory Lobb last year. Um, we saw that happen. Um, we've seen it numerous times. So there's a lot of things that can play out. The most important thing in this period for players that are in that position is a good manager. Um, and and it's my opinion, managers do some good stuff during the year, but this is what they get paid this for. This is their bread and butter, isn't yeah, it? This is what they get paid for. It's why Colin Young's looked at as, uh, you know, as the best in the business, because right at this time, Colin Young is the best in the market at negotiating trades. That's why a lot of his players are, are rumoured uh, moving clubs because he's the best at getting it done. And doesn't always win friends and, and get Christmas cards off the back of it because he's working for a client, not a club. He's working for players and um, and he's got great relationships with clubs around the place, but in the end, his first priority is for his players, not clubs. Yep, that's part of our news headlines. Thanks to Polaris, uh, Will Schofield's thoughts on trade week. Thank you. Polaris, and thank you, Australia, for making Polaris Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand 21 years in a row. A chance for you, by the way, to have a dig. Don't dig blind. Check before you dig every time. A few people having a bit of a dig at some grand final celebrations over the past 48 hours. One, Darren Harris, West Perth coach, who got uh, nice and emotional after a a nine-year drought for the club and at lead of a label. I thought it was great scenes, and some have described it as being disrespectful. Some also have said the Penrith Panthers haven't been as humble as they could have been in victory. Um, How mindful when you win a premiership, and by the way, I'm not backing up those calls. I think sometimes people get on their high horse very quickly, but how mindful were you in 18 or when you win a premiership of, of handling it with grace and humility. Oh, it's an emotional time, whether it be AFL level, waffle level, amateur football, it, it, or any sport. When you win a premiership, 
that's why you exist. Yes, the, the friends are great that you make, the, the teamwork, and you can learn a lot of things with sport, but in the end, you want to win a flag. And so when it does happen, it's an incredibly emotional time. Anyone you speak to that's done it, it's it's one of the best feelings you'll ever feel. Now, Darren Harris has won it as a player, um, as a captain of the West Perth side. He's done it now as a coach. Uh, I just think a lot of emotion spilling over. I, I was going to ask you and maybe our listeners, one double three eight eighty two. are we... Are we trying to remove characters and showing of emotion out of sport and out of our game of AFL and any other sport? I mean, it's okay to deviate from the norm a little bit, isn't it? We saw Darren Harris celebrating and we, we commentated it live and it was great to see. I, I absolutely loved it. Are we, are we, are we trying to get rid of the characters in our game? We're trying to remove personality in sport, yet we're also wanting these, uh, these footballers or, or any level, whether they're male or female, to be so invested and physical and and go through a brick wall for your side, yet once it's over, uh, go back to being a, a citizen without an emotional factor. I mean, I just, I, look, to be honest with you, some of the stuff that people throw on social media, I just take with a, an absolute... Um, an absolute bar of soap. That's, that's if you can access social media, Mark. No, I can access it, but some of it is not worth accessing. In fact, <laughs> uh, when you do read it, uh, best to turn away now, as they say. Uh, but yeah, one double three eight eighty two. Love to know your thoughts on the grand final celebrations. Coming up after this, we're going to catch up with Peter Bell. Of course, a big day, big few days coming up for the Fremantle Football Club as part of our trade radio update. Quarter past six, Mark Reddings will Schofield Sports Day. Up next, Peter Bell from the Dockers. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia EV6 and Sportage, Cars of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day as we jump into our trade radio update thanks to Continental Tyres engineered in Germany, proven in Australia. And on the line we've got the Fremantle Dockers Executive General Manager of Football, Peter Bell, as trade week starts to really crank up. Peter, thanks for your time tonight. Good evening, Mark. Let's start off with uh, a deal that we has has been done. Blake Acres off to Carlton. Uh, it's been quoted in some parts as being the steal of the trade period. After, uh, of course, he went to the the Blues for a future third round selection. Uh, how do you sit with with the deal that was done today? Yeah, obviously sit pretty comfortably. Um, Blake uh, came across from St Kilda as a sort of supplementary. Uh, part of a deal that involved, um, you know, Brad Hill and some high picks, and in that time was a valued member of our team. Um, as it turns out, uh, he was able to reach agreement and get an offer from from Carlton, both of a, a duration and of a quantum that we weren't able to, to match. So, given the circumstances, um, uh, we uh, we we were um, uh, okay for, for for Blake to pursue that opportunity. Obviously, out of contract as well. Um, and uh, the compensation we received was uh, that future third-round pick. Peter Wilskofield here, mate. Um, Blake Akers, from from my point of view, and watching you guys play, has played a pretty important role for you this season, uh, a season in which you've you won a final and, and looks like the footy club's in a really good position. Um, how do you p- replace someone like Blake? Do you have people to step into a role he's been playing this year? Yeah, as you know, Will, the, the wing is a really tactical position. It's one of those... Uh, positions on the field where sometimes you can do all the right things and barely touch the ball and then other weeks you can get a lot of it and, and Blake really executed that role uh, well in 2022 particularly some of the, the best football of his career um, so one of the considerations we had in, in in Blake potentially leaving was what sort of cover that we had in those wing positions and we're really comfortable with, with James Aish, Nathan O'Driscoll 
covering those roles. We think there's uh, also opportunity there for, for a player like Liam Henry, potentially. Uh, Carl Warner's another one. And, and we've got a, a lot of running halfbacks like uh, Chapman, uh, Young as well, um, uh, potentially, uh, uh, the, the, or Jordan Clark's another, that, that we think will provide us adequate cover on the wing. So we have a bit of depth there. Uh, and that was one of the other um, things that we took into account in, in doing the deal with, um, with Carlson. It hasn't been confirmed yet, but uh, 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 Griffin Logue and Darcy Tucker look to be making their way to North Melbourne, uh, if that's to be signed off on maybe tomorrow. Um, are they in similar ilk to a Blake Akers in terms of playing a role for you guys this year and, and, and they're effectively out the door at the end of the year? Yeah, a little bit little bit different, so I'll, I'll deal with them individually. Um, Griffin was obviously a, a high draft pick and had played some uh, good footy down back for us and, you know, some really key matchups on players like Charlie Kernow and uh, Jeremy Cameron spring to mind, but it became a real utility for us in, in playing forward and filling a need for us there and performed to a really high level, obviously finishing sixth in our, in our best and fairest. So um, disappointed to, to lose Griffin. Um, clearly North Melbourne came really strongly for him and, and he's choosing chosen to pursue that opportunity. Um, Darcy, uh, we had an agreement that um, for whatever reason, he probably hadn't reached the consistency that he wanted and, and we wanted for him as well. Uh, he applied himself really diligently, a real professional, very popular player. Um, but we just decided that if there was an opportunity with Darcy, we decided if there was an opportunity that he wanted to pursue, um, that we were able to get some sort of adequate compensation for. Um, we, we, we thought that was in the best interest of everyone, particularly given Darcy also had some personal situation, um, which, which meant that a move back to Victoria would have been um, pleasing for him. So uh, North Melbourne also interested in, in Darcy. So we, we've managed to trade the pair of um, Darcy and Griff. Um, it was a difficult negotiation for us, Will, given that uh, obviously North Melbourne had the first pick in the pre-season draft. Um, negotiations were done really well between Brady Rawlings and, and David Walls, but um, we didn't have a lot of leverage with regards to Griff in, in really pushing that trade, given that if things deteriorated, which um, there was no indication that they would, but if they did, then North Melbourne could simply select Griffin with the first pick in the pre-season draft and, and we'd get no compensation. So in the circumstances, the fact that we've ended up with a, a future two and a future three um, was uh, in the circumstances uh, was okay. There's been some pretty strong language uh, from the footy club around Rory Lobb and his con- contractual situation for next year and uh, probably equally as strong language from his manager and Colin Young about him wanting to leave and uh, new opportunity, I guess, at another club. Is there any situation where Rory isn't at the football club next year or is he a 100% a free player next year? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a challenging situation, that one, Will. Um, uh, Rory also has pulled to head to Victoria um, from a personal situation, but the, the complexity... And we're certainly not completely heartless to that and that situation, but um, given given that we've lost a, a player that we've been using as a key forward in, in Griff in this trade period, um, and given that we're probably a little bit inexperienced in our key forward area, um, that, that makes it really challenging. Um, and not to mention also that, you know, Rory's been a focal point of our attack and played really, really well this year for, for you know, a couple, almost a couple of goals a game. Um, that ability to go into the ruck as well. Um, they are almost impossible to replace those types of players who can hit the scoreboard and, and go into the ruck like that. So for, for that reason, um, you, you can see how um, it, it, it's really complex. We've talked about a few of the players locked that are head out the door and Lobb's still with a question mark. But what about 
incoming players because Stocker supporters are maybe a bit concerned as to uh, some of the, the talent leaving. But uh, let me throw a couple at you. Josh Corbett from the Gold Coast and Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. Is that just trade talk or is there something behind that? Oh, there, there's been a really brief conversation, I understand, between uh, Anthony and, uh, and, and JL. Um, so there's a lot of water to go under the bridge there, but uh, Anthony expressed an interest in continuing his AFL career um, and and a player of his calibre. You're always wanting to explore potential opportunities, but they're at a very, very early stage. And, and even his transition back into AFL football is a little complicated as well. Um, so I think that uh, if, if a player like him gets back into the AFL, that's great for fans. But, um, yeah, look, it's at a, a very, very early stage as to, as to what possibilities there might be there for, for Anthony. Um, Josh has indicated that uh, he would like to continue his AFL career with us. So um, we think that he'd fill a, a really valuable need for us, um, particularly given um, uh, Griffin uh, has left. We, we do need four depth. Um, he's a, he's a, a really strong leading player who has um, performed really well when he's given AFL opportunity. Obviously, at the Gold Coast, um, he's fallen behind uh, Ben King and Marby Orchol and Levi Casbolt, uh, to name a few. And so he sees some opportunity with us. And uh, obviously, now it's on us to try and facilitate a trade for Josh. But um, we had the opportunity to meet him and his partner over the weekend. And we think he'd be a really good fit. So hopefully that can eventuate. Uh, Bally, what's the deal that gets Luke Jackson to the footy club? <laughs> well, it's uh, it, it'd probably be a big one, Will. That's for sure for a, for a young player who um, is a really unique player. Um, you know, a rising star winner um, at uh, at Melbourne in his, his first couple of years. So, w- w- you know, we know that there's going to be multiple picks involved, and we know that he's really keen to come to Western Australia. So we'll keep having those conversations. Uh, with Melbourne um, and also with his management and, and we'll see what eventuates. But um, look, he is a player that we're really interested in bringing in and, and we think he's pretty unique. Um, so we'll be excited by that prospect. And so in terms of uh, the trade period that you're a part of, uh, footy club itself, are you feeling as if, uh, obviously you'd like to be on the on the plus side of whatever goes out that comes in. So uh, for, for Dockers supporters, um, fair to say that you're, you're going 100% to try and get players into the club to to add to what was already achieved this year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, clearly there's, um, uh, you know, it's, it's never nice when players um, want to pursue their opportunities elsewhere for whatever reason, and, and that happens from time to time, and, and we've got a, um, a, a small group, obviously, are exploring opportunities elsewhere, but uh, with this comes opportunity to potentially bring in some, some other players as well who are very keen to play at Fremantle and also to provide opportunity for some of the talent that we have on our list, uh, players like uh, Jai Amos, players like Neil Erasmus, Matthew Johnson. I mentioned Liam Henry before, and but I don't want to leave out any others because there are a number of others who deserve opportunities. So um, with these list spots that free up and the prospect of them either being filled by other players from other clubs or, or draft picks, there will be um, lots of opportunities and, and hopefully um, some, some fresh faces and, and new players are able to grab those opportunities and really excite the Frio faithful. Last one from me, Peter. Is there a chance of potentially chasing big name or big contract players? Let's put Luke Jackson in there, given how, uh, I guess, highly he's valued in the open market. Is there a chance that that disturbs club culture? We've seen Blake Akers today speaking on behalf of Carlton and his move that perhaps he didn't feel prioritised um, during contract talks with Freo. Is there a chance that chasing bigger dollars with bigger players disrupts what you already have at Freo this year? 
Yeah, there's always that um, that possibility. Not not talking about us particularly here, Will, but when when you bring in new new faces, but you, you try and have really open dialogue with your playing group, and you try and uh, budget and make offers um, uh, accordingly to what what is fair. Um, the TPP is a difficult thing to to manage, but um, if there's a strong trust with the the nucleus of your playing group, they understand that you're always acting in the best interests of the club, and you're always acting in the best interest of trying to win a premiership, which are incredibly elusive and difficult to attain. So you want to bring in quality, but you also don't want to upset that balance, which you speak of as well. And and, and we think with the moves that we're making, we've got that balance in mind. Uh, we're not always going to be able to please absolutely everyone. That's the nature of this industry. But we, we think that we're doing the right thing for the footy club in, in order for us to continue climbing the ladder, hopefully. Peter, appreciate the information and spending some time giving your Docker supporters and our listeners an insight as to how Trade Week is tracking. Hopefully speak to you shortly. No problems. Thanks, guys. Peter Bell, Fremantle Dockers Executive General Manager of Football. As part of a trade radio update, thanks to Continental Tyres, engineered in Germany, prove it in Australia. Search Continental Tyres today. Get in line if you want to give us a call, 133882. The Dig, Don't Dig Blind, lodge a free before you dig inquiry online every time. Your thoughts on the Dockers, Essendon, how Trade Week is going, anything that's come to your mind that you'd like to have a go at, uh, give us a call, 133882. It's half past six. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Great to have your company on Sports Day as we roll through a Tuesday night. Mark Reddings alongside Will Schofield, 133882. About to jump into a sports update proudly brought to you by New Sea. But before we do that, let's go back to the phone. Sean is in Baldivis. Hi, Sean. Yeah, get it, guys. Yeah, my uh, my dig is just the format of the Marsh Cup, the the one days, uh, the domestic cricket competition. Um, first game starts in September. Final is in March. Each team plays seven home and away games. So I just think it's ridiculously too long. Very hard for the players to develop, um, and for the average punter out there or supporter, very hard to gain or you know to get any interest behind this when it's just too far between games. I think it's a terrible idea what they've done. They're going to face the availability and fixturing. Terrible idea. Yeah, not a bad dig. Uh, don't dig blind. Lodge your free before you dig inquiry online every time. Very good point. Uh, I know Western Australia, we started well against uh, the Vicks, had a, had a victory in Melbourne and then toweled up uh, New South Wales, who were dismissed for 76 last weekend. We were one for 77. Uh, but Sean makes a point. If this tournament finishes in March, uh, it, 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 it's, 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 it's fractured, it lacks continuity, and I think he makes a, a really good point. They've only, they've already played two games, so there's, you're telling me there's 12 games left, and we're just out of September. Another six, uh, almost six months to go. Six months to go for 12 matches. According to Sean, I I'm just looking through the fixtures now, so yeah, I'm not going to disbelieve him, but I, it wouldn't surprise me that that's the case because of... Is that because of the, you know, the, the World Cup thrown in around there and other tournaments? and uh, what, what, What's the reason? Well, the Sheffield Shield match being played as we speak, so that that may... Look, I don't know the reasons that Cricket Australia has done this, Sean but... Sean is um, spot on the money. That's that a is very good, that, that's great, ridiculous. great dig by Sean, and yeah, I mean, realistically, you get that done, that, that tournament, or the, the Marsh Cup done a lot quicker than that. By the way, uh, as I said, sports update proudly brought to you by Newseed. Just quickly checking in on that uh, updated score from the WACA at Stumps. Western Australia 
258 dismissed uh, in reply to 180. So that's a good result for WA. We're in uh, a fair bit of trouble midway through uh, the last session, being uh, 6 for 100. We were 5 for 96, uh, but some great runs scored, particularly a century by Teague Wiley. 104 off 204 deliveries, 15 boundaries. Got support down the back end from Joel Paris with 25 uh, and Matt Kelly with 47. So there it is, Stumps, day two, WA lead by 78 runs, 258 we were dismissed for, and New South Wales making 180 with Lance Morris taking five for 36. Back to the phones, one double three eight eighty two. Jerry's in Westminster. Hi, Jerry. Yeah, good day, boys, and uh, just uh, very impressed with the way uh, Darren Harris thanks Cla- thanked the Claremont supporters on Saturday and uh, back at the club Saturday night how he told them where they could go as well and hope they had a good evening uh, down at Claremont Saturday night. Um, go the Cardies. Um, listen, I, I, what I rang in about, boys, it's uh, this, this, this thing that's happened at Essendon today, uh, Thornton, Thornburn, Mr Thornburn in yesterday, out today, and the reasons given... I want to throw a hypothetical at you, boys. Uh, this is really sure. going to, this could end up in a real lawsuit or anything. Uh, the AFL's digging its hole deeper and deeper. Um, what happens, say one, a club, one of its star players, if not their best player, is discovered that he belongs to a certain church that goes along with those beliefs as well. Will his, was he, will his, contract be torn up and told to get out of the club we don't need you anymore because we don't agree with those the things that are said in your church you know can you can you can you understand what i'm driving at yeah, Jerry, the only example that I could refer back to, and I think Rugby Australia with Israel Folau, I think you understand that uh, story, which is it's pretty similar in, in the respect of what we're talking about. Israel Folau, do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, sure. And I, I'm, I've got my thoughts on that I won't go on with tonight. But, I mm. mean, why, why don't we separate those type of things to playing sport, football? It, I don't think it should come into it because, you know, some people are atheists, some people are agnostic, some people are Christian, and whatever their beliefs are, that should have no bearing on how they play football as long as they're good citizens at the football club. Yep, thanks, Jerry. Now, we talked about this a little bit off air uh, Scoey, it, it's it's certainly not a, a black and white issue, I don't think. And obviously, the, the aim of the AFL and every organisation, including media organisations, is to to have respect towards all. Um, and obviously, when it comes to the church, that or the the religious uh, beliefs that uh, we're talking about here, but previously with regards to abortion and homosexuality. So, yeah, it, there's some sensitive subjects there. But are we putting, for instance, a footballer? in that bracket of, of, of losing his contract because of his religious beliefs. As I said, the only example I can refer to is Israel Folau. Uh, I want to read a bit of Andrew Thorburn's statement he released on LinkedIn uh, a little bit earlier on today. Um, just a little excerpt from it. He said, despite my own leadership record, within hours of my appointment being announced, the media and leaders of our community had spoken. They had made it clear that my Christian faith and my association with a church are unacceptable in our culture. If you wish to hold a leadership position in society, this grieves me greatly, though not just for myself, but our society as as a whole. I believe we are poorer for the loss of our great freedoms of thought, conscience and belief that made for a truly diverse, uh, just and respectful community. Now, you used some of those words when you spoke about it. Um, Religious beliefs is something that's protected by our constitution here in Australia. Um, But sadly, to a point... um, people's beliefs uh, are made very public and they can be picked apart very quickly. That is not protecting um, people that don't respect others. So if religious beliefs 
uh, discriminate against minorities, uh, show downright disrespect, which a lot of the things we're talking about has been shown by the church that Andrew is associated with. Uh, I've, I personally have no problem with him having to step down because uh, what gives anyone the right to disrespect or um, segregate people from our community? It should be inclusive and uh, people should be able to do what they like. So Andrew should be able to believe what he wants to believe. Mm. But putting it on other people, I, I think, is where the line should be drawn. Whether he thinks that that wasn't his role at Essendon to, to put his beliefs, he was just there in a, in a CEO role. I'm just trying to take a, the other side of the equation where he probably believes that he could separate his religious beliefs with what he could do as a football administrator. And that's that's the argument that he may well have. It's a, it's certainly a big topic and it's something that's uh, yeah probably above your and I pay grade to go into because they're, uh, you know, where is the line? That that's that's the question that is asked. Me personally, it's when other people start getting disrespected by things that you think and believe. Um, do do and act as you wish, as long as you don't disrespect and segregate others. Really, and and abide uh, by. Societal norms, really. Yeah, and societal norms are actually changing without yeah. going... They, they, what what was acceptable 20, 30, 40 years ago simply aren't now. Now, in my mind, that's for the better, but it does mean there's changes that have to be made, and in this case, uh, Essendon have found out uh, late in the piece that uh, their ex-CEO was involved in a, in a church that probably didn't... Uh, promote the values that the Bombers, as a football club, wanted to adhere to. We'll, we'll get some more details from this from Daniel Cherney a little bit later on in the show. Um, he's our man on the ground, code sports writer, and he's usually got his finger on the pulse on some of this. Yes, uh, there it is. Uh, coming out very shortly, by the way, I'm going to chat to Jack Redden, a good old teammate of yours, and uh, you're proud of his career, I'm sure. Oh, terrific player, great teammate, someone he loved to be on the field with and off the field as well. Yeah, outstanding. Uh, thanks to Barbecues Galore. Go to ICanWin.com.au to win a Ziggy by Ziggler and Brown Barbecue this summer. Sounds that's good. correct, Ziggler. Uh, that's all part of our uh, wonderful show of Sports Day and more coming up shortly, including Jack Redden, former West Coast Eagle, after this. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia EV6 and Sportage, Cars of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day, 133-882 is our number. Our sports update proudly brought to you by Newsy, delivering you top-performing canola genetics and superior customer services. We welcome in a former West Coast Eagle, as it now stands. What a career, 263 games, a premiership player, a former teammate of Will Schofield. I refer to Jack Redden. Jack, congratulations on a wonderful career. Hey, Flads. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, the decision, it's come out of the blue for some of us, given that we believe you had a, an option to go around again next year. Uh, when did it crystallise to you that uh, your time was up? Uh, well, I had a few beers after the season, and they were tasting very nice. So <laughs> uh, I, th- I thought that was time, but uh, a good cue for me. Nah, but a bit of thought went into it at the end of the year, and um, I just thought the time was right, really content where I was at. And my career and probably where the club's headed. Redo, over 260 games across two clubs, Brisbane and West Coast. Um, from debut, you played 112 games in a row. You've been an incredibly consistent player. Did I know you think that time's up, but did you just keep? You feel like you could just keep playing. You've been you've been the same player since you debuted, mate. <laughs> yeah, I I was lucky enough to play a lot of games and yeah, have some consistent runs there over over the time. But my body feels really good. But just where the club's at, I feel feel like we're probably on the verge. I think if all the ducks align next year, they can go all right. But um, probably uh, years of, uh, uh, post that, I think they'll um, probably go for the rebuild, go hard at the draft. So I thought 
I've had a good run and uh, my time is up and um, hopefully the young boys can kick on now. I had a bit of a chat to you on my show, Back Chat, last night, and you made the comment that um, you've been consistently average throughout your career, and you said it with a laugh, but <laughs> I, 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 I thought maybe that that was an understatement. In, in 14 years, eight times you're in the top 10 in best and fairest across Brisbane and West Coast. Do you look back on your career as um, having a good one? Yeah, for sure, mate. Like, if you started my career, I said I was going to play uh, 200 odd games. Uh, win a premiership, um, I'd jump at it and start the car. So uh, very, very lucky and very fortunate. And come to the end, I'm very grateful for the opportunities I've had and uh, very content, mate. Jack, it's probably an obvious question, but winning that premiership alongside Will and everyone in 2018, you played 260 games without it. Uh, the difference to how you look back on your career, does it does it change significantly? I think I think that'll always be that burning thing inside you if you did, weren't able to uh, achieve the ultimate. But uh, I'm sure that everyone who hasn't won one would be saying that at the end of their career. So that's what you, you um, drive and set out to do as a kid. And it's a dream come true, to be honest. So um, I feel like that'd be a missing piece if, I, if we weren't able to achieve that. Was it difficult changing club, Bredo, from, from Brisbane to West Coast? Yeah, it was. Um, obviously, come over and didn't probably pan out the way I would have liked. Um, they got this inside midfielder. That ended up being a half-foot flanker that uh, couldn't get a kick. So I, I managed to get there and stuck stuck at it, and I was able to play some consistent footy for West Coast. But transition didn't go overly smoothly at the start, but um, got there in the end. Was Sam Mitchell an important part in that? He, he was a player, a teammate of yours in 2017 and then became a coach in 2018. You didn't play a full season in 2017, but 2018, his first year as coach of you in the midfield, you play every game and finished second in the best and fairest and player of the finals. Did he have a big impact on your career? Yeah, Mitch was, Mitch was great. Um, obviously got him as a player, played with him, which was amazing. Um, learned a lot off him and then obviously um, as a coach in 18. But Mitch was really good for me personally. I, I thought he backed me in uh, from the start and obviously valued what I brought to the table. Um, Mitch was really good at getting you, getting to, uh, you to play to your strengths and um, getting all the midfielders to play together as a team. Having a chat to Will Schofield yesterday, in fact, and he, he mentioned that you, might have been your first year or certainly early days at Brisbane, you played alongside Jonathan Brown and Brendan Favola in, in the same year, which, uh, what are your memories of that? Yeah, it's it a bit of an eye-opener, mate. I was lucky enough to um, play along to uh, blokes like that and um, chuck in Simon Black and Luke Power and Daniel Brasher and those sort of players, so... Um, I, I was I was really lucky enough to um, get a glimpse of them and see how they prepare for games and how they went about their business. So, um, Fev, Fev uh, individually was an in- interesting character and very lovable character and generous character. Um, but he was he was good times and uh, good fun to play with. You've only just retired, Jack. But is there anything that jumps off the page that you, you think you'll miss about footy? Uh, I think, like uh, obviously watching the final series. This year, you sort of get a little bit of FOMO wish you were out there. So I think those those big games and big build-ups to games, you get that little bit of FOMO and miss those. But I think every player that retires is going to get that for the rest of their life. And it's a serious question, but once you retire, I mean, hopefully you've got a plan set down for yourself, be it in business or uh, employment-wise, Jack, because, you know, irrespective, you spend a lot of your life in footy and it, the next year or two can sometimes be tricky. Do you feel comfortable... Uh, whether you want to stay in footy or not, that you've got a, a, a nice plan for the next 12 to 24 months? Yeah, mate, it's a big big thing for players, obviously. They've, uh, it's probably all they know coming out of school and into 
into the system of uh, AFL. So it is important you have that sort of backup plan. And the club is really good at uh, making sure you've got a plan coming out of footy just to make that transition a little bit easier. But um, yeah, probably probably only took me probably two years ago to feel comfortable leaving footy um, to have a plan. So personally, I feel like I'm in a good position and really content and um, happy and ready for the next chapter. Have you spoken with Robert Walls at all over the past week, uh, Reno? <laughs> oh, I tried to get hold of him in 18, but he didn't answer. But uh, <laughs> no, nah, it was good motivation for Wolsey uh, leading into that 18 year, and uh, lucky enough to prove him wrong. I was uh, I was sitting on a Tuesday night after winning the grand final. Mark, you're looking yes. at me a bit weirdly. Um, Robert Walls, if you remember 2018, thought that prediction West Coast might finish on the bottom of the ladder. So. Uh, Jack gave Robert a call at a bit of a late hour just to remind him that we didn't, in fact, finish on bottom of the ladder. We... Did Wolsey answer the phone? No, he didn't. It was a nice message. We <laughs> <didn't know. laughs> oh, brilliant stuff. Hey, any chance, Jack, you'll stay involved in footy or uh, you're done? Oh, look, mate, I'd, I'm definitely going to um, do a little bit of West Coast initially and want to keep my foot in the door there. So whether it be on the recruiting side or something like that, because I do love watching sport and uh, I'm staying aligned with the club, so... West Coast has been really good for me over the years and um, would love to stay involved anywhere I could. Hey, Reto, um, any, anything to say to the fans? It sort of hasn't been a, um, a normal retirement where, where we get to see you do a big press conference and you speak to everyone, you know, or maybe get a lap of honour. Is there anything you want to say to the listeners and fans that will be listening along? Yeah, I suppose um, coming over, um, just they embrace me and um, I'll probably one of the biggest things I'll miss out of how to plant footy is running out in front of a full Optus, um, Optus Stadium with our passionate fans. So can't thank them enough for all the support they've given me over time and my family. So um, big kudos to them and um, the energy and passion they bring to our team. Speaking of family, Redo, you are expanding very shortly. Um, it's imminent. We're not sure when, but uh, an exciting time for your household. Yeah, I'll probably have to wrap this phone call up soon because she's probably, uh, probably close to, uh, going in, but <laughs> she's, um, very close and yeah, uh, three kids. So, um, yeah, it's going to be hectic and on the grind again, but yeah, very appreciative and looking forward to it. You won't have any time for footy, mate. Congratulations on a great career and thanks for joining us today. No worries at all. Thanks, Tommy, lads. Got Jack Redden joining us, uh, superstar with the West Coast Eagles, premiership player, 263 games, of course, came across from the Brisbane Lions, began his uh, footy career in South Australia, and he uh, goes out on his terms. Uh, part of our trade radio update, thanks to CMC Markets. Trade your way with CMC Markets. Visit cmcmarkets.com. Wasn't a trade, but a retirement. Uh, plenty of trade news, though, as we've discussed earlier in Sports Day, uh, and more to come after 7 o'clock. Uh, get behind the Perth Wildcats this season. Head to ticketech.com.au now for all the action in season 22-23. More of Sports Day coming your way right after this. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day, a big first hour of the show after the 7 o'clock news. We'll catch up with Trent Cooper, the Fremantle Dockers AFLW coach. Barat Sandaration, the Crick Buzz writer, will talk all things T20 cricket ahead of a, a three-match series coming up. Australia taking on the West Indies twice and then England at Optus Stadium this Sunday from 4.10pm. Josh Y will talk NFL with us with another huge day of football over there in the United States. And Green to Green with Clive Adams. Great to have your company. The 7 o'clock news is here, up next on 882 6PR. 
Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day, the second hour of the show. Time to talk footy and get our uh, fingernails into this huge story at the Essendon Football Club. Their Chief Executive Andrew Thorburn sensationally resigning just a day after he was appointed to the position. Code Sport Journalist over there in Melbourne, Daniel Cherney, has been covering this with great interest. Dan, thanks for taking our call and another extraordinary day at the Bombers. Good to be with you, um, Mark and Will. Yeah, certainly is. You, you didn't think that it could get any crazier or any more embarrassing for Essendon after the events of, of recent times, uh, on-field, off-field, board, executive, you know, footy department review, coach sacked in, you know, pretty miserable circumstances. And, uh, and yet here we are, uh, with Andrew Thorburn, you know, a day after the club's brooks. What a, what a coup this was to have uh, the former head of a, of a big four bank. Now, the circumstances of his departure from now also not another matter, but, uh, you know, as this huge coup at the club and, and he's had to, he's resigned, um, on the back of, I suppose, it, the, the emergence of, uh, of his connection or the fact that his chairmanship of, of a, a church called City on the Hill and, and which uh, had some, I suppose, pretty reprehensible and, uh, divisive statements that were, were made, um, uh, on that website, or in, a, in a sermon um, uh, at that church, and I suppose he, he didn't uh, com- he didn't completely condemn those comments, and would, and I suppose by condoning them even to an extent, and not and not quashing them, uh, it meant that it was just untenable for him to continue in a position of, of a club like Essendon or any any AFL club really uh, in this era of diversity, uh, where that's such a you know such a focus for. For AFL, or for so many organisations, but certainly for AFL clubs, and, and particularly at a time when Essendon, having just brought in an AFLW side, um, you know, these comments anti-abortion, homophobic, you know, comparing um, abortion to ethnic cleansing. I mean, it was just, re- you know, it's reprehensible sort of statements, and uh, just a, a completely embarrassing day for Essendon. Uh, and it's uh, not not the first one of, of of those in recent times. So so where does it leave Essendon then, Dan? Uh, uh, they appoint a CEO, don't have a CEO, just a new coach coming in the door. From a footy aspect, uh, where where are they? They haven't played finals in feels like fifty years. <laughs> uh, look, that, that's uh, it's been a long time between drinks. Uh, oh well, they did they did play finals last year. Sorry, sorry. They haven't won. Uh, a, they haven't won a final. They haven't won a final. <laughs> Two thousand and four, roughly. Yes. Two thousand and four was the last winning final uh, for them, uh, and it's been you know it, it's been. I think David Barham in, in his press conference last week when they announced Brad Scotty sort of noted that it was that sort of yo-yoed between the bottom of the eight and the bottom of the ladder, and that that's a fair assessment. And that's been over yeah, the best part of two decades. Look, it's interesting. It's highly embarrassing for them and for the board. Uh, and I think there's, there's some cultural issues, some of which I think will be will emerge in the footy department review, which was run by Andrew Thorburn, which makes it all more <laughs> remarkable. But um, I think as, as as much as it is a humiliating day for the club, it probably doesn't actually affect the footy department that much. I mean, he was you know in the job for a day, so there's no real disruption. It's not like you'd sort of put in all these plans, which just suddenly get tipped over. They've hired a new coach. Um, that they're, you know, the, the review is effectively complete, and the findings will come out soon. Uh, it's been a bit disruptive for them in terms of trying to get trade targets. And I think Adrian, Adrian Dodoro, the list manager, touched on that. Uh, the fact that the, the, the delay in the coach and the fact that Ben Rutten was sacked made it harder for them to plan for trade period, and they've sort of gone in with 
with one hand tied behind their back. They're making a, a play for Jack Rose, as are several other Victorian clubs. So, look, it's it's really bad for them on the face of it. But I, as as much as it, you know, it, it sort of has been the, the but they are the butt of jokes tonight. I actually don't think it affects the footy department too much. And you know, I suppose that they have the benefit of having just gone through a process to find a CEO. They all know who the second, third, fourth, fifth best candidates are, out there are, and they can pretty quickly go to them now. Whether those got those those, uh, those candidates that would be as keen to go to a club that's just handled a situation like this, I suppose that remains to be seen. But you know, these jobs are are still coveted, and, and I, I suspect they'll still be able to find a, a good candidate. But uh, you know, what a humiliating exercise! And just the whole board, really. I mean, I'm not sure if the board's position is, is still tenable after this. Uh, we just saw what happened last week with Kevin Sheedy. He's you know, him coming out and, and saying that um, that the board, you know, effectively undermining the rest of the board by by saying that it was not a unanimous decision to hire Brad Scott. He, he would have voted for, he did vote for James Hurd, one of James Hurd's coach. So there's so many issues still that club. But look, I think at least with a, a solid coach um, at the helm, that they they have a bit more stability than, than they had previously, as strange as that sounds. Yeah, not sure too many people in five years will remember the name Andrew Thorburn at Essen purely because of the lack of time he spent there and the circumstance. <laughs> but due diligence hopefully comes into play uh, as they sift through to the next CEO. Just you touched on Sheeds there, Dan. Uh, where, mm. where does he sit with this? Because uh, on the board, I'm told you, you can't be sacked as such, but he can stand aside. He's, he's too much of a, a giant at the club to, to disappear. So where does this all land? Yeah, a really good question, Mark. Uh, I mean, the whole Kevin Sheedy thing has been, he, his involvement in the board really has been a debacle. And to be frank, it was a, it was a cynical move to put him on the board in 2020, which re- when, when the club was under a lot of pressure politically, uh, they put him on to sort of shore up the board to sort of stop a spill. But, you know, Kevin Sheedy is many things, a legend of the game, an official Hall of Fame legend, legend of the game, but, you know, a, a, an expert in governance and compliance, <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't have thought so. And, um, you know, we've seen that. And, you know, even speaking to people at the club, I think he's been an, a disruptive presence um, and uh, don't think he's acting in the best interest of the club. Uh, we saw that with, with his comments last week to the Herald Sun, you know, a, a, very, a very good story from Mark Robinson, but uh, not not at all helpful. I wouldn't have thought to Essendon. So, yeah, he, he, he's he got, I think, another year to run as an elected director. I mean, the, 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 he was appointed and then elected by the, the, the members. So I suppose in some respects they only have themselves to blame. Um, and uh, I think he said last week that he was keen to, to stay on. So... Mm. Uh, that that makes for a pretty rocky situation, and it's just sad because he, he's a legend of the club, um, you know, a giant of the club, as you said. And uh, it's sad to see uh, his sort of tenure. And, you know, he's in his mid seventies now. Um, that his, you know, what what, what likely is his you know final few years of a formal involvement with Essendon, um, so you know, so tarred and, and tainted. Uh, and it's just uh, look, that club has just never really recovered from from the saga. Um, they've had ups and downs, and you know there were moments where it looked like they were they were sort of getting back onto level pegging. But I think that the, the ghosts of the saga and even, even prior to that have uh, have lingered at, at, through the through the walls of uh, of the hangar there at the Tullamarine. Yes, an extraordinary day again at Essendon. They have a new coach, but on the lookout for a new CEO. Albeit, as you said, Dan, they do have a list that I'm sure they can put into place pretty quickly to appoint a new leader of the footy club. Uh, thanks for your time, and uh, we appreciate your work on Code Sports. And uh, for joining us on Sports Day. Pleasure, Mark and Will.
There it is, Dan Cherney from Code Sports. So thanks to Kia, Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage cars of the year. Plenty of great dealerships out there, including in Osborne Park. More coming your way on Sports Day right after this. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage cars of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day as we roll into our AFLW review with Fremantle Dockers coach Trent Cooper, who joins us after what was a competitive performance for the most against Melbourne, but unfortunately the result was 30 points a loss. So Trent, thanks for your time tonight. No worries, thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah, it was, um, the, the scoreline might suggest otherwise, but I think it was our best performance of the year thus far. So talk us through... Uh, I guess at the last quarter, I suppose, essentially, because you, you hung tough with the, the Demons for the vast majority of the game. Yeah, I think the, 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 there was a win definitely to the left-hand side. So we're probably really, we're only a few points down at, um, at three-quarter time, but we were chasing our tail uh, at that stage. And then really, we sort of talked about it at three-quarter time and we said that we're going to be brave and take the game on. And um, you know, if we if we can get a couple of goals and put them under pressure, we'll do so. But we did realise there was a chance of it opening ourselves up and uh, unfortunately that's what did happen. Coops, what's uh, what's morale like around the club with the girls? Are they, are they happy? Are they sad? Are they focused? Uh, where, where are they at right now? Yeah, amazingly, in amazingly good headspace. Well, we, um, after that Geelong game, um, when we sort of hit rock bottom after round two, you know, things can unravel pretty quickly, but the group was super focused and determined to work their way back into the season. And then we didn't get results go our way the next two weeks. Um, but at no stage have they, they dropped their heads. They've been disappointed straight after every game, but recovered quickly and then got in and really trying to implement the things we've been doing on the track. And, um, and yeah, we got the result against West Coast, um, but I think we even played better on the weekend. So that gives us a bit of confidence going forward, even though we haven't got too many Ws next to our name. So, so without some you know, wins that we've seen in previous season, Trent, what, has there been much that's changed? Is it personnel? Is it some different game style stuff, or is it just a confidence thing? Um, maybe the confidence has probably cost us a couple of the wins against uh, maybe Bulldogs and Carlton, where. Uh, in the last couple of years, we might have found a way to get those results. But we just, in the pre-season, particularly the last month of pre-season, when we're you know, about to ramp things up, availability at training was really poor for various reasons. And that then flows into round one. So you're chasing your tail uh, with the likes of you know, Hayley Miller and Kiara Bowers, not only their form, but others around them not being able to train with them. Um, and we just started to see them start to get back to their best uh, the last couple of weeks, and that coincides you know, with the rest of the team improving as well. So that, that was where it sort of went wrong early. Uh, obviously, we've, we've had a, more than our fair share of injuries and not being able to play uh, I mean, the likes of the Antonios and um, you know, we lost Jess Lowe and Janelle Cuthbertson to a head clash early in that round one game against Brisbane. So things haven't gone uh, that well on that front, but I think it was more the availability during that last bit of pre-season. Speaking of players that have gone down, uh, Dana East, can you update us on her health after a knock at the weekend? Yeah, unfortunately, um, she she sort of we tested her. She was tested twice during the game and she was okay and it uh, must have been my post-match address because uh, halfway through that, she sort of, uh, yeah, become a bit overwhelmed and um, 
And then yeah, we did some more testing. She uh, has got uh, delayed concussion, unfortunately. So she'll miss this week. But, uh, yeah, she's starting to progress through the concussion protocols already. So hopefully she'll be available for round eight against Collingwood. And what about Maddie Scanlon? I saw her play in the grand final of the Waffle W, I think, for Claremont. And she looks a, a player. But she has broken, I believe, her wrist and her leg in the same incident. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's had a, a wretched run, Maddie. Um, that sort of everything went right for her during the year at Claremont. She played really well in the grand final. Uh, they played well all year and they missed the early game. Uh, you know, she had injury problems uh, with us and then um, that, that game against Carlton, when, uh, she played a really good game the previous week against the Bulldogs. That was her best game and then against Carlton early in the second quarter, just copped the hit right down the middle and uh, in the end, yes, yeah, fractured a, a fibula and, uh, and her wrist. So, uh, yeah, she's out in the moon boot and got the wrist supported as well. So she'll be out for a little while, unfortunately. Trent, just a bit of a holistic question about the competition in general. There's been a bit of criticism at the start of this week, and I'll say it for you because you won't say it. It's just complete junk that's coming across the lines in social media. But can can you just speak from inside a footy club um, in the AFLW, how, how much this competition means not only to the, the, the girls that are playing, but the the families, the women, the the fathers, the daughters that, that come along each week and watch and watch on TV and the coverage that it's getting? Yeah, it, it's huge for all those people. There's no doubt about that. And that in itself is enough for the competition to exist. Um, but it's also bigger than now. And you know, there's a lot of corporate support. Our whole club, you know, we're sort of upstairs and downstairs geographically, but the up support from upstairs is is huge um, and just yeah, right across the board. And um, uh, the competition's going places. We're definitely not where it is yet. And the AFL are getting you know, some criticism for not expanding quick enough. But I reckon when you look back in 10 years' time, it will be the best decision that they did expand. Otherwise, we'll just be going through the same, same pain in you know, five or eight years' time. So while there's going to be some lopsided results and things that uh, aren't perfect at the moment... I think uh, you know the bravery and in getting the vineyard down will pay off uh, in yeah, in ten twenty years time a tenfold. Interesting, Coops. Uh, I watched the NRL Grand Final at the weekend, and the NRLW Grand Final was a curtain raiser, precursor to the game between Penrith and Parramatta, and that. Look great. I mean, there was obviously uh, the crowd building. Uh, the, their seasons obviously link up. Now, I know you've changed your seasons, but is that something to consider going forward that you can showcase your biggest day before our biggest day in the AFL? Or how do you sit with that? Yeah, I, I think it, it's worth considering. You should never rule anything out. I, I think we target different markets. There's definitely some crossover, but there's different markets. And if we did it on that day would take away a lot of the true AFLW supporters. Um, so then you have to make the decision, is it going to help bring some across and that type of thing? So that's the problem with curtain raises when you've got full full crowds with the men's game is that the, the, the normal people who go to the AFLW games to support them can't go and we don't mm. get that, that family feel which we've got at the moment. So I think at the moment where the season fits, we get to do a bit of both. You can probably have a couple of curtain raises early on in the year and then a few standalone games as well. So I think this time is a good time at the moment. I think we should give it you know, two or three years and have a really good look at it and see uh, if it is going to work there because um, chopping and changing each year, it's hard for the supporters to get into supporting patterns. And you're on the road again this weekend. You take on Adelaide on Saturday. Tough task. No need to emphasise that. But for any 
kids and families, school holidays. Uh, Friday morning, I believe you might be having a, a training session that uh, fans are welcome to come along to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're having a hit and run mission in Adelaide. We're playing Saturday, but we're going to train here Friday morning and then uh, yeah, head straight from here to the airport. So, yeah, supporters want to come down, uh, get up close and see the girls in action before we head off for that flight. Uh, more than welcome and look, yeah, hopefully we get a few down. Coops, always appreciate your time. Best of luck against the Adelaide Crows on Saturday. No worries. Thanks, boys. Trent Cooper, Fremantle Dockers AFLW coach. Wrapping up what's been a difficult season for the Dockers on the injury front and also on the result front. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service, you can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service centre. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day Tuesday night as we talk some cricket and KO. Watch the T20 Cricket World Cup on KO Sports. It's coming closer by the day. And Barat Sundarason is the Crick Buzz writer and part of SEN Cricket Commentary team. He joins us to chat about some upcoming T20 matches as we head towards that Cricket World Cup in the T20 format. Barat, thanks for your time tonight. No worries at all, guys. Yeah, I mean, the World Cup's nearly here. And Australia officially start their campaign, you would say, or the build-up to the campaign anyway. Uh, and, and, yeah, some exciting games against the, the West Indies and England, uh, leading into that uh, opening game for Australia against New Zealand at uh, the SCG on the 22nd. What did you make and what have you made of the squad that Australia has chosen? Now, Cam Green, we saw him recently uh, performing exceptionally well at the top of the order. What's happening with him? Uh, I can tell you this, there might be some uh, owners of IPL teams who are wishing that the IPL started today <laughs> because they, he, he, you know, would have created quite a stir and he did. I mean, we've already heard a lot of uh, chatter uh, after his performances in India and, and they were really extraordinary uh, for someone who hadn't opened at all or not much at a competitive level to uh, take on a pretty high quality Indian attack in those conditions where he didn't have too much experience and to uh, produce the kind of uh, performances he did uh, tells you that he is a special talent. Uh, but it looks like uh, Aaron Finch in Australia are happy with uh, just being excited about the fact that he could be one uh, for the future in terms of T20 cricket. Of course, he's very well established in the test team. Uh, and they're happy with the 15 that they've picked. Uh, but look, Marcus Stoinis is still recovering. Uh, he's set to uh, be fit by Sunday for that first uh, T20 against uh, England in Perth. Uh, Mitchell Marsh will play this series uh, just as a batter. Uh, he's just still not fit to bowl. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure Cam Green will be in the periphery. He might get a couple of games uh, in, in these two series. Uh, and if there is an injury, uh, you know, you have, you have an able replacement to just come in and with that confidence as well. Uh, uh, Birat, is, is, is there proper hype happening around this T20 World Cup that's Less than two weeks away, I'm going to be honest, I'm not the greatest cricketing fan, but I would have expected more hype. Am I, am I wrong there? Is it, is it underwhelming a little bit or am I off the mark? No, no, you're not at all off the mark. And, and you know, I guess that's also uh, the fascinating aspect of sport in Australia, right, which I've uh, come to learn and love ever since I moved here uh, four or five years ago, uh, where we're still kind of uh, getting over the football season uh, with all the trades, trades and all that, uh, so so I guess we still haven't uh, uh, really 
got into that cricket buzz yet. I was in fact this morning telling the wife about how the, there were two cricket stories in the newspaper uh, as compared to one, which itself <laughs> is, is a novelty before November. Uh, so with the tournament starting in October, generally when there have been ICC events in the past in Australia, they've happened in February, March, like so at the end of a very busy cricket season. Uh, so it is in unique in a, in a, in a sense that it's uh, happening in October. Um, and hopefully we will get the buzz going uh, once Australia start playing, uh, maybe this series, but also more so when uh, the bigger teams start arriving. Uh, you know, uh, maybe there'll be some excitement when England and Australia clash uh, what's starting Sunday. Uh, but once you got, get the likes of India and Pakistan over, I'm sure there will be. And I guess there is a lot of hype about that India-Pakistan game at the MCG uh, on the 23rd. Uh, so that could well be the time when uh, the tournament uh, really reaches that uh, buzz in terms of off-the-field excitement. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, it, I guess it, it has so much to do with just how sport gets consumed in this wonderful country. Jim David, uh, saw him interviewed yesterday. What are you expecting from him? What, what will the selectors be looking from him to insight into what might come in the next month? Yeah, I mean, just by his presence alone, um, he's ensured that Australia, funnily enough, looks stronger going into this World Cup than they did uh, last year, when not many gave them a chance and they ended up winning the winning the whole thing. Uh, so because, you know, he's one of those X-factor players that uh, Australia didn't have last year. And uh, he just comes with the reputation of being the serial six-hitter. We saw a bit of it uh, in that India series. At times, he wasn't needed. Uh, Cam Green and Matthew Wade did most of the damage, uh, but just having him in the squad, in the uh, in the eleven, he just uh, has that fear factor as well for the opposition because they know he can just completely change the game in the space of five or six balls, which is which is how T20 cricket does get played at uh, it, these days. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where he fits in now that David Warner is back at the top and Mitchell Marsh is fit again. Uh, but, you know, I would just throw him in. I mean, considering that uh, Australia didn't mind uh, bringing him into the World Cup squad, or some might say in unconventional fashion, where he's played more league cricket than he has domestic cricket or even international cricket. Uh, so I think the X factor itself uh, will make sure that, uh, you know, he'll, he will be kept in and around the team. Uh, and, and look, it could well be Tim David who, uh, you know, helps Australia defend that crown. Now, I've missed the odd flight or two in my time, um, Barat, and I put my hand, hand up on that front, but uh, Shimron Haitmeyer has been dropped <laughs> from the West Indies squad for the T20 World Cup because he missed his flight to Australia. What is going on there? Uh, he's been a bit of a problem child for the West Indies. Extremely talented. Uh, he, uh, you know, uh, has really emerged in the in the last few years. Uh, in the wake of Gale and Polan and Bravo and Sammy and Russell, those uh, the T20 legends, you could call them, of West Indies cricket moving on. Uh, but this is not the first time uh, there's been some issue. He had fitness issues. They dropped him because they felt he was uh, overweight uh, and he wasn't like matching the fitness standards only a few months ago. Uh, and and there is definitely more than uh, what meets the eye. Because if you think about it, he, if you read the story, he was... Uh, Originally scheduled to fly out from the Caribbean on, on October 1st. And it is a bloody long flight to come all the way to Australia. And he said no for family reasons. They said, okay, fly on the 3rd. Uh, and, you know, clearly he hasn't taken the flight or there's some other issue. But uh, it's not new with Shimron Hetmeyer, but uh, it's just, it also kind of adds to 
the slight anonymity around this West Indies team, which generally when you think T20 cricket, you know, they bring a lot of star power, maybe not this time. And in Shimron Hetmeyer, they had one potential star who's also gone now. Barat, can we just switch our focus to domestic cricket? Tim Payne returning to first-class cricket with Tasmania this weekend. Yeah, and personally, I'm quite excited to see Tim Payne back uh, on the field. Uh, you know, we just 12, less than 12 months removed from uh, the, the scandal, if you want to call it that, uh, that led to, you know, his unceremonious exit as test captain. Uh, and I think he's done a lot of good for Australian cricket in the wake of the 2018 cap. Cape Town fiasco, um, and in a way, it's only fair that and look. He maybe he spent this one year. Um, he, it's not been easy for him. We've heard about how uh, he's had to, you know, he's completely taken time off uh, the public public's uh, face for sure. And uh, we've heard about his uh, troubles with mental health, and he's overcome all that, and his physical health as well. If he was injured leading into you know that period, the tough period for him last year. So it's only fair, I think, that he gets to pen this final chapter by himself and, you know, plays one season for Tasmania. And let's just talk, hearing the Tasmanian authorities or cricket authorities talk about him, they still feel that he's uh, the best wicketkeeper in the state. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there will be a, a lot of intrigue around how Tim Payne goes on the field. Uh, and also it looks like his book is coming out later this month where he, uh, I think, is said to have spoken a lot or said a lot about uh, just how what happened and the impact it have had on uh, him, his life, and his family as well. Barat, always a pleasure. Look forward to touching base with you through the course of the T20 World Cup. Enjoy tomorrow's game between Australia and the West Indies, and we'll speak shortly. No worries, guys. And I have a lot of flights to take in the next few months, and Shimron Hetmeyer has got me all nervous now. <laughs> Barat Sarat, Sundarason, Crick Buzz Rider, and part of SEN Cricket joining us here on Sports Day. And thanks to KO, don't risk missing all your team's matches of the T20 World Cup right on KO Sport. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day as we turn our attention to American football. And NFL is, of course, well and truly up and running over there on the other side of the world. Josh Y is an expert in this department. He's uh, joined us for a chat now about what's been a fascinating start to the season. Josh, uh, good to speak with you. And uh, today we saw in Australia uh, the 49ers get over the top of the Rams, 24 points to nine, which is a big result for the team from San Francisco. Yeah, definitely. Avenge that uh, NFC championship loss from... From last season, you know, the Rams famously came back and, and beat the 49ers and, and then went on to win the Super Bowl. So um, I'm sure that was a game marked in the 49ers' calendar and they won quite convincingly. Uh, the Rams sort of looked a bit on offense with that 49ers' defense and, and we all saw the, the Debo Samuel uh, amazing touchdown um, catch and, and run from him. So it was, a, it was a good convincing win for the 49ers. Josh, we're four weeks into the season. Now, there's only one undefeated team sitting at the top of the table. That's the Philadelphia Eagles. Would you have picked that before the season started? Um, I was big on the Eagles okay. before the season started. Right. Uh, I, I, I didn't think they would be like the last undefeated team. Um, I, I wasn't too sure on, on whether they would be that team, but I did think that they had a good chance to, to, to rack up some wins and potentially be that number one seed in you know, in a weaker AFC, there's no, there's no Buffalo or Kansas City in that NFC, and the Eagles have a fantastic roster, and and Jalen Hurts looks to have made the leap based off last season, and and he's looking like a, a very much an elite quarterback for the Eagles, so they look like a definite, uh, definite worthy 4-0 team.
Yeah, it's a really good start for the Eagles. Uh, and as always, we see the Chiefs and the Tampa Bay just rack up some big scores again. 41-31, Patrick Mahomes v, of course, Tom Brady. And uh, defence wasn't exactly high uh, on the list of priorities at times. Yeah, it wasn't. And I think for the for the, for the Chiefs, you know, after their lacklustre offensive performance last season, uh, last year, uh, last week, sorry, uh, they... Uh, they needed to, you know, get some runs on the board and, and going up with a Tampa defense that was ranked number one in the NFL coming into that week. To, to score 41 points like that, it's, uh, it was an impressive performance by Patrick Mahomes. And um, an interesting stat I, I saw after the game is that Tom Brady's teams have only allowed 40 points or more eight times in his entire career. And Andy Reid is responsible for four of those. So um, he definitely likes coming up against Tom Brady. It hasn't always worked out for him, but uh, I think the Chiefs were, it was an impressive game, and I think for the Bucks, you know, they've had some rough offensive performances, but they got some players back. So even though they were down for that most of the game, you know, to put up 30 points and and try and keep things interesting, there's a lot of encouraging signs for them. Uh, there's been plenty of chat over the last 12 months, but probably an extended period of time about head knocks uh, in the NFL, and that's now flowing into almost all sports around. Uh, the world. There's been some interesting developments with Miami's doctor being fired and their quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. Um, he'll he'll miss next week after being knocked out two weeks ago, playing this week off the back of a seemingly cockroach-like uh, knockout, and their doctor gets yeah. fired. Can you can you speak a bit around what's happened there? Yeah, it's it's pretty scary stuff, you know. And, and given how much information there's been out about head knocks in the NFL and and all the stories and, and, and all the research, you, you think in 2022 that we, we should, probably shouldn't be having these conversations anymore, um, or at least in this type of situation that it's that it's gone on. You know, for Tua to, to to play just four days after what looked like suffering a concussion against the Bills in Week Three to to suit up and play four days later um, seemed like an unbelievably you know negligent decision by the by the Dolphins, and um, you know, thankfully. Well, I'm thankfully someone's lost their job, but I think rightly so in this in this spot because it is just you know we're not just talking about someone's playing career or future, we're talking about their health and well-being and their life and the way that Tua got hit and the way that he went down and and the way that his body reacted to to what's been described as severe brain trauma. Um, it's pretty terrifying to watch as a spectator and and I'm sure as a player seeing your teammate go down like that, it, it's it's pretty hard to to keep playing, you know, week in, week out and, and, and snaps after that. So um, I think there'll be a good investigation into this and, and hopefully a lot more good will come from it. I think one thing I saw yesterday during week four is anyone that had a head knock didn't really come back on and play. So I think with these concussions, there's going to be a more straight line drawn on, on what they're testing and, and, and whether people can come back and play. So um, whether that means a change in the protocol going forward or not, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Josh, can I ask if there's a team that you follow, mate? Is there a specific team, or are you just nice and independent and follow everyone? <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a diehard uh, Indianapolis Colts fan, but thankfully uh, we don't talk about them too much on this show because they're they're performing abysmally so far this season. <laughs> well, I'm gonna fo- I'm gonna tell you, Josh, probably the most stupid spectator was at uh, Levi Stadium today. Ran onto the field in the second quarter with a device emitting peaks, uh, pink smoke, and decided uh, to well run into uh, Rams linebacker Bobby Wagner near the LA sideline. That's probably not the wisest move that spectator's ever made. Yeah, I think of all the players in the NFL that I didn't want to get hit from, Bobby Wagner would be probably high on that list. You know, he's <laughs> he's racked up 
plenty of tackles in his career, and he, he hits hard, and he hits, he doesn't often miss. So um, I think that's uh, kind of natural justice, I guess, for that fan. Hey, Josh, um, I asked you who you went for because I wanted to talk about who I go for, which is the Minnesota Vikings. They're 3-1. and one. They're t- on top of their division, sitting above the Green Bay Packers. Can uh, Is this a year that Minnesota can pull things together? We haven't seen them be able to do much since Brett Favre left the organisation in about 2007. Uh, Kirk Cousins is leading that uh, division. Do you, do you like what you're seeing out of Minnesota at the moment? Um, I, I liked a lot of what I saw in week one, whether we get that in, in week two or, or uh, in the rest of the season or not is, is a different question. But um, I, I must think, I must admit the, the week four win, they just got lucky that Will Lutz could, could hit it from 60 and not hit it from 61. So yes, um, they, got, they got pretty lucky against, against the Saints. But I do think that they're making strides offensively. Kevin, o, Kevin O'Connell, their, their new coach, has, has made a lot of changes. And, and I think... Uh, going forward, they'll get better as they go, especially with Justin Jefferson, their, their key wide receiver. He looks, you know, every time he touches the ball, he looks dangerous. Speaking NFL with Josh Y on Sports Day, uh, just from an Australian perspective, uh, how are we tracking? We've got a, a, a few Aussies getting the job done over there. We know Mitch Wichnowski signed a big contract recently at the 49ers, but uh, have you kept your eye on a few of our, our local boys? Yeah, I, I did, and um, we saw an announcement this week uh, by the uh, the the international NFL pathways program as well, that they've, they've signed half a dozen players to go over and, and, and train and, and spend the next year getting their bodies ready, similar to what Jordan Maylada did a few years ago. And, um, and whether they go on with that, it, it gives them a chance to get drafted and, and, and join a training camp eventually, depending on their progress. So we could see a few more players at different positions, not just punters and, and kickers. So hopefully we see a, a few more in, in the years to come. And, and Jordan Maylada unfortunately picked up an injury um, I'm not sure how serious that is. I haven't uh, haven't done too much reading on that one, but he picked up a bit of an injury um, for the Eagles. So hopefully we see him back on the field uh, soon because he does play a key role for Philly up front and protecting Jalen Hurts. So uh, yeah, it's it's been a good season I think for a lot of the Aussies. All the punters are are doing really well. Sipos and Dixon and Wisniewski are all sort of you know the top half of the league when you look at those punting stats. Josh, love your work. Thanks for your time, and uh, look forward to speaking to you through the course of the NFL season. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks. Hopefully a few more Colts wins on, on the horizon for me. Don't hold your breath. Thanks, Josh. Josh White, NFL expert, joining us on Sports Day. Thanks to Kia, Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage Cars of the Year. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage Cars of the Year. Great to have your company on Sports Day as we jump into green to green for Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything. Uh, Clive Adams is WA's regional bowls manager. We find him up in a beautiful part of the world on the Gold Coast. Uh, Clive, what takes you to Queensland at this time of the year? We have got a massive event over here. We've got the 2022 Nationals. It's a combination of, of a heap of events. And uh, what better place to do it than the uh, than the sunny, almost sunny Gold Coast? It's been it's been a little bit iffy over the last few days, but uh, doesn't get much better than over here. Well, it's hard for some, isn't it, Clive? Well done, mate. I'm very jealous. <laughs> Matty Mitchell, can you tell us about his uh, performance in the Oz Champs? Yeah, so it started with the Australian Champion of Champions singles. Uh, we had uh, we had Matt Mitchell from down there at Emu Point uh, Bowling Club down in Albany, and he uh, he won four of his seven matches, and he, the ones he lost, he lost by one, three, and four. So he was right on target. Uh, unfortunately, uh, didn't quite get the gold or silver, but managed to grab the bronze 
uh, with John O'Davis from New South Wales taking the gold medal in in that one. But a huge performance from Maddie. Just as I say, he wasn't far away. And uh, in the women's event, Kathy Gobart from Jinjin Bowling Club. She missed out on the medals by just one win. So just outside the top three with the uh, with the great Karen Murphy taking home. Uh, the gold medal, um, just another title to uh, to the wonderful Karen Murphy's list, uh, Australia's best ever player, basically. So, um, yeah, no surprise to see Kaz at the top of the table again there. What about the over-60 sides that are in the series right now? A bit of an update there. Yeah, so we've got... Um, it hasn't gone exactly to plan for our over-60s, but they've got another day of action tomorrow uh, to wrap up their series. Um, we basically sit fifth in both series for the WA men and women. Uh, the men, a little bit out of contention for the title race, but still a chance to move up the standings. Now, the women, whilst they're in fifth, they're only uh, a couple of wins behind top. So there's still two games to be played tomorrow. If Victoria were to lose both of their games, WA need to beat Queensland and the ACT, and if they do... Uh, there's still a chance for them to get the top spot, which you know, from fifth to top in one day, it'd be a massive, uh, it'd be a massive climb. But it, it is possible. There was a huge upset today as well. The Northern Territory beat New South Wales. Amazing result in the in the uh, over 60s women. And you consider the Northern Territory and the resources and player pool that they've got. To pull out a win over New South Wales is a massive result for them. Unreal. That's exciting stuff. What about the uh, the Open Side Series? That's staying next Thursday, this Thursday, should I say? Yeah, starts on, yeah, start, <laughs> starts on Thursday. That's uh, Can't wait for that. The last time we were able to actually play bowls in an Open open Series for WA was April 2019 uh, due to all the COVID complications. So three and a half years since we've been able to play uh, a side series. So can't wait. I'll be part of that myself. Uh, we start with a match at uh, 4 p.m. on Thursday against the ACT, uh, New South Wales and Victoria, often the teams to beat. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get off to a, a great start and, uh, and challenge, challenge those top sides when, uh, when the whips are cracking. That all, that, that runs from Thursday right through to Sunday. Uh, so a big opportunity there for WA on the men's and women's side to, uh, to try and get a win there. And finally, the Australian Championships begin next Monday, Clive. They do, and uh, we've got... Uh, it starts with a mixed pairs. So Justin Opie and Helen Morse will play for WA uh, in the mixed pairs. That's that is, They are an extremely strong combination. Uh, their biggest contenders that they will face, uh, the Queensland combination of Nick Cahill and uh, Kelsey Cottrell. Now, when I say uh, Karen Murphy's the best Australia's ever had, Kelsey Cottrell's not far behind in amazing form. So that'll be a test for them. And then on Tuesday, it's an exciting one for, for our listeners because uh, the men's triples gets underway. That's Justin Opie, Lee Such, and the great Johnny Slavich. He uh, he joins in for uh, a triples clash. And again, Queensland will be the contenders there with Nick Cahill, Chris Laleve, and Aaron Sheriff, the team to beat in that one. Beautiful, Clive. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Enjoy the Gold Coast.
Can't wait. Thank you. There it is, Clive Adams. Green to green for Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. And thanks to Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything on this day, Scoey. 2015. Go seven years back. North Queensland Cowboys won their first NRL premiership. It was the first all-Queensland grand final. The Cowboys defeated the Brisbane Broncos 17-16. Yes, on this day, thanks to Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Thanks for your company tonight. It's been a huge show. Of course, we'll return tomorrow night from 6 o'clock up after the 8 o'clock news. It's Todd Johnson and the Night Shift right here on 882 6PR. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.